Chapter 24 of Original Stories from Real Life. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Steve Peterson, Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. Original Stories from Real Life by Mary Wallstonecraft. Chapter 24. Visit to a Poor Family in London. Idleness the Parent of Vice. Prodigality and generosity incompatible. The pleasures of benevolence. True and false motives for saving. After the impression which the story and the sight of the family had made was worn off a little, Caroline begged leave to buy one toy, and then another, till her money was quite gone. When Mrs. Mason found it was all expended, she looked round for an object in distress. A poor woman soon presented herself, and her meagre countenance gave weight to her tale. A babe as meagre hung at her breast, which did not seem to contain sufficient moisture to wet its parched lips. On inquiry, they found that she lodged in a neighboring garret. Her husband had been out of employment a long time and was now sick. The master, who had formerly given him work, lost gradually great part of his business, for his customers were grown so fond of foreign articles that his goods grew old in the warehouse. Consequently, a number of hands were dismissed, who not immediately finding employment elsewhere, were reduced to the most extreme distress. The truth of this account a reputable shopkeeper attested, and he added that many of the unhappy creatures who die unpitied at the gallows were first let into vice by accidental idleness. They ascended the dark stairs, scarcely able to bear the bad smells that flew from every part of a small house that contained in each room a family, occupied in such an anxious manner to obtain the necessaries of life that its comforts never engaged their thoughts. The precarious meal was snatched and the stomach did not turn, though the cloth on which it was laid was dyed in dirt. When tomorrow's bread is uncertain, who thinks of cleanliness? Thus does the despair increase the misery, and consequent disease aggravate the horrors of poverty. They followed the woman into a low garret that was never visited by the cheerful rays of the sun. A man with a sallow complexion and long beard sat shivering over a few cinders in the bottom of a broken grate, and two more children were on the ground, half-naked near him, breathing the same noxious air. The gaiety natural to their age did not animate their eyes, half sunk in their sockets, and instead of smiles, premature wrinkles had found a place in their lengthened visages. Life was nipped in the bud, shut up just as it began to unfold itself. A frost, a killing frost, had destroyed the parents' hopes. They seemed to come into the world only to crawl half-formed, to suffer, and to die. Mrs. Mason desired the girls to relieve the family. Caroline hung down her head abashed, wishing the paltry ornaments which she had thoughtlessly bought at the bottom of the sea. Mary, meanwhile, proud of the new privilege, emptied her purse, and Caroline, in a supplicating tone, entreated Mrs. Mason to allow her to give her neck-handkerchief to the little infant. Mrs. Mason desired the woman to call on her the next day, and they left the family cheered by their bounty. Caroline expected the reproof that soon proceeded from the mouth of her true friend. 
I'm glad that this accident has occurred to prove to you that prodigality and generosity are incompatible. Economy and self-denial are necessary in every station to enable us to be generous and to act conformably to the rules of justice. Mary, may this night enjoy peaceful slumbers. Idle fancies, foolishly indulged, will not float in her brain. She may, before she closes her eyes, thank God for allowing her to be his instrument of mercy. Will the trifles that you have purchased afford you such heartfelt delight, Caroline? Selfish people save to gratify their own caprices and appetites. The benevolent curb both, to give scope to the nobler feelings of the human heart. When we squander money idly, we defraud the poor, and deprive our own souls of their most exalted food. If you wish to be useful, govern your desires, and wait not till distress obtrudes itself. Search it out. In the country it is not always attended with such shocking circumstances as at present, but in large cities many garrets contain families similar to those that we have seen this afternoon. The money spent in indulging the vain wishes of idleness and a childness fondness for pretty things not regulated by reason would relieve the misery that my soul shrinks back from contemplating. End of chapter 24